0: Well hello everyone. I hope you are doing well today. It is August 23rd of and it's 11 p.m. as we are episode 96 of the MMA Ratings Podcast. As always my name is Rafael Garcia. Thank you for listening to me today. I appreciate you taking the time to do so. I am going to attempt to get my Partner in crime, Swan. Swan in the show tonight. Uh, Let's see if I can do so because I have not heard back from him today. But anyway, you know, we took last week off because I had some uh, personal business to attend to, and uh, it was a good night as usual. So I just wanted to say thank you for bearing with us. And something else I wanted to also apologize for because I noticed we had audio issues last week. The sound just wasn't really there. I'm hoping that tonight is much better because we took some steps to kind of improve that. Shawan and I have been talking about issues with um, sound on his end as well. So hopefully we get things right and we get things back to normal for you guys. And we appreciate you always for listening to our content. Please be sure to like and share what we have today. You can um, click the subscribe button on our YouTube channel to uh, get notified whenever we produce new content on a weekly basis. You can also, like us on uh, Facebook, um, and you can catch us on Instagram and Twitter at MMA Ratings Net, where we talk and post about mixed martial arts and combat sports as a whole. But before we go on any further, I want to take a minute to congratulate our colleague um, Adam Martin who announced, uh, I guess a couple of hours ago, I think I may have missed the official announcement, but he revealed that he is going to be writing for SureDog as well going forward. So I wanted to take a minute and say congratulations to Adam for being able to you know, continue to push himself in the industry and, and get new opportunities. But, uh, Shawan, I see you jumped in there, sir. How are you doing?
1: Uh, fine. Can you hear me?
0: Yep. Yep. Um, turn off your camera, though, man. You sound pretty good. Uh, turn off your camera for me, though all right to so the off good 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 so let me let me get your volume up a little bit turn mine up a little bit less there okay so how you doing today man can't complain Andy. another day another dollar that's very true man that's always the case here so as always man we got a lot to talk about this week it's funny because I had three specific agenda items planned out for today but I before I logged on I definitely saw that there was uh, some pretty big fight announcement. Did you see that Tony Ferguson is coming back to face Anthony Pettis on October 6th?
1: Uh, I was actually just got done uh, working out a kid for basketball, and I looked at my phone, and I'm like, what? When did this get announced? <laughs> so I found I out guess- probably around the same time you found out.
0: It hit probably about an hour or so ago, but it's on the same card as McGregor and Namargo Madoff. So I guess they're preparing for someone to have a, um, an, an issue and potentially fall out of that fight.
1: Well, given the history of these guys, everybody except for McGregor is pulled out. McGregor hasn't pulled out of any fight, but Khabib, Tony, and Pettis have had their careers repeatedly derailed by
0: injuries. Do you think that we are see? Because if thinking about this Conor fight, you know, I am at a point where I've kind of I am not going to believe it's going to happen until I see these two guys in the cage. Do you think the UFC is on the right path by putting this quote unquote insurance fight on the card as well to make sure that um, nothing no shenanigans go down?
1: Uh, most definitely, as I said before, the only person out of these four guys who was never pulled out with an injury or missed weight is Conor McGregor. He's been the most, confi- I know people like to make fun of him. He didn't fight in two years. He fought Floyd, but the fact of the matter is he has not missed weight. He has not pulled out due to injury of any fight during his entire time. He fought through injuries. Since He got healed, he came right back and he consistently faced the best during his time in Nick luck. He's really the only fighter out of the four who you can depend on. Anthony I' hurt a bunch during his, during his title reign and after. Tony ferguson has been hurt on and off throughout his career. To be, to make, to make them off. the less about that, the, the less drama we're gonna have. He's been pulled out a lot, so make sure you depend on it, on it. You have to have something backed up for every single one of these other guys. Every
0: single one of them. So let's make sure that that you have your mic um close up to you, so we can hear you the whole time, because you're kind of going in and out. So make sure okay. that you're keeping your, your um mic open and, and close up there. So. Yeah. What, so we're, you know, we got quite a other. We have quite a bit more news to talk about, and also I don't know what that clicking is going on in the background too. But also, can you can you kill that too? But um, I don't know. Uh, we got quite a bit of fights to kind of talk about that were announced today. I don't know if you saw that. Um, Yair Rodriguez is also out of his fight against Zabib uh, Mago. My Gomez Sharapovov, and you have John Lineker talking about bouncing up a weight class to step in there. What are your thoughts about that, too, as well? Is that a good decision by John Lineker? Is he a dangerous opponent for um, Zabit, or is that a fight that Zabit should win handily? It's on on, on two weeks' notice.
1: Uh, Given how limited Lineker's skills can be, it's a dangerous fight. But the fact of the matter is every fight, his thing is having a puncher's chance. So this fight is no more dangerous or any more or less successful or more successful than any other fight he takes because he's he's a little bit short on the skills as far as the layers of skills, but he's always got that puncher's chance. He's always can throw volume. He always can be physical. And if he gets to move up a weight class, that means he doesn't have to matter about making weight to his original one, which helps him out as well because he's had a hard time historically making weight.
0: Yeah, that, um, that's probably the biggest thing I'm I'm most interested in seeing what he looks like at that weight class because we know. We know his constant struggles with the weight issue have been real. So let's see what that really kind of looks like there. And there were some couple of other fights too, man. Did you see uh, New Magny and um, uh, Ponzinibbio is, is booked as well? I didn't see the date. I just caught the headline in passing, but that's another fight that was announced as well.
1: I can't think that Ponzinibbio is too happy about that. He was trying to get a high-ranked guy who could kind of take him to the next level. And Neil Magny has been a dude who's lost to all the elite, basically all the elite level talent he's faced. I mean, his biggest win is what H- Hector Lombard and, and a Con- Carlos Condit who hadn't fought in like a year and a half. So I don't know that beating Magny is going to give him the jump start that he wants to put him into title contention. Even if he beats Magny impressively, he's probably gonna have to win another fight or two to be in title contention. Definitely to get to Woodley if Woodley wins, and even to get to Till, he'll have to win at least one or one or two other fights. So I can't. For Magny, it's great. Get the name opponent, gives him him another chance to break through and prove that he's an elite. But for Ponzanibio, man, this is kind of a step down. And it's a risky fight. He loses it he's all the way to the back of the line. Even if he wins it, he doesn't win it impressively, he won't have an argument for a title shot.
0: Yeah, I can definitely agree with you there. Because I am not even really sure what Magni is ranked right now. I mean, I know he was on a tear before he started having those issues. And um Losing a couple of fights. Let's see. Magni at what's is ranked number eight. Ponzinibbio is number 10. So, I mean, best bet is a win for Ponzinibbio. It can put him in, you know, eight, eight, seven position at most. But he has the top five, the top six in that division, actually. Kobe Covington, Darren Till, Rafael Dos Anjos, Stephen Thompson, Robbie Lawler, and uh, Kamaru Usman. Ponzanibio has to beat one of them before he's able to get into that top five to six range. And a win over Magnet isn't going to get him there.
1: I'm kind of shocked that beating a, a shop-worn Carlos Condit gets you to number
0: eight. Is that too I'm guessing because if you look at... I guess, Because Jorge Masvidal just lost to Steven Thompson, so that probably pushed him down as well. Donald Cerrone got pushed down when he lost to Leon Edwards, and that's really about it. That's the only other way. So maybe it was a move up because of other people dropping down. And he also won that fight on short notice as well.
1: I mean, it could be short notice, but I I guess. I mean, okay. (laughs) You can explain it to me any way you want. Neil Magny should not be number eight in the welterweight division. I'm sorry.
0: I'd argue that. I, I would argue that point. I would argue that point based off of off definitely off of some of the activity of some of the other guys in the um, division as well. So I, I would argue
1: that All I know is every time those guys have lost, for the most part, it's been a fairly competitive loss where they could have won it. When Nagney's lost, he's just gotten wiped off the board. The last elite guy he faced blew him out of the water. It wasn't even close. Like, nobody else has just gotten so clearly dominated by an elite person with the exception of Donald Cerrone against Darren Till. Every other fight he's had with a tough guy, Masvidal, it was back and forth. Against Lawler, it was back and forth. But when Magny stepped up, he's gotten blown out. So it's it's just very weird to me. I'm not trying to disrespect him, but against the rest of the guys, third and fourth tier guys, he's great. Against the second and first tier guys, he gets crushed. I mean, it's not even competitive. He gets crushed. Lorenz Larkin wiped the floor with him. Uh, What's his name? Like I said, Jafio dos it wasn't even competitive, so it's it's just weird to me. I'm not trying to. I mean,
0: well, this is what I see here. So, and I, this is interesting because this wasn't this wasn't a major talking point for us today, but he's lost to three guys: Raphael dos Lorenz Larkin, and Damian Maya. Lorenz Larkin is out of of the UFC, so that's why he's not ranked. But Jafio dos and Damian Maya are both ranked above him. Um, his biggest wins, I mean. The win over Johnny Hendricks and Carlos Condit are, are, are you know, they are what they are. Um, but the biggest one, he did, he has, he does, he does have a win against Kelvin Gastelum, who was ranked at both 170 in in the top ten, and he's many people consider him to be the number one contender at 185. So, in my opinion, looking at what the other guys around him have done, that's more than what Robbie Lawler has done recently. I mean, Lawler's on a what two fight. Two fight losing skid right now, so that's more important than what Lawler has done right now. Um, and Jorge Masvidal, he's also on a two fight losing skid as well. He's lost but to Stephen, but he's been fighting better competition. Though. Not really. I mean, he lost to Damian Maya and Steven Thompson but outside of Stephen Thompson.
1: That, how did he lose to Damian Maya? He didn't get. He didn't get dominated. He he was in that fight. Manny got wiped out. It wasn't even close.
0: I'm not saying I'm not disagreeing with you there. I'm just saying that when you look at their, you it's very comparable between the two. Look at the competition that Masvidal has fought and no no Magny has fought. The only reason why I'm thinking right now that Magny is ranked above him is because Masvidal has lost two in a row.
1: I mean, I, I get it, but he lost two in a row to like much better opposition, and I don't know. I, it just it just bothers me a little bit. I, I see your point. But it just bothers me. I don't. I don't know the beating a guy who come, came off a year and a half break to get you that rank that high, and losing and losing recently to an elite guy, not even getting out of the round. I don't know. It just kind of doesn't sit well with me. I don't mind you losing, but you have to be competitive in that loss to show that you're in that class. Every time he stepped up, he hasn't been able to last a round. That's concerning to me. But. I understand your point. I get the legitimacy of it. But it just
0: yeah, I mean, I, like, it, it's an interesting conversation, I and mean, we got to remember that the UFC rankings are as subjective as they really get. Um, and I don't think they're ever going to really get better. But I think it is, it is an interesting conversation point. Um,
1: I think the WWE probably, rankings make more sense than the UFC ranking. <laughs>
0: that's, pro- that's probably true. And what kills me the most is, wasn't Ponzinibbio supposed to fight Kamar um, Usman, and didn't he pull out of that fight?
1: Yeah, I think I think he got injured. If I want to say. I think so.
0: I mean, so this this might be potentially be karma as well because now we got Usman who's trying to find nobody wants to fight that man. I mean, yeah,
1: he Why was on he?
0: Um, he was on Luke Thomas's show maybe like two weeks ago talking about how he was offered to Kobe Covington to fight four times already. I mean, if that's what, what, you know these guys talk a lot, we don't know if that's hundred percent true, but if he was offered that fight four times and Covington's turned it down four times, that says a lot to me.
1: Well, if I was his manager, i turn the fight down, too. Usman's super athletic. And the worst thing is, if he beats you, most likely it's going to be in a way that makes you look ineffective and not competitive. And even if you beat him, it's going to be ugly. So it does nothing to get you any momentum. I try and avoid, If I'm his management, I'm trying to avoid him, too. I'm not going to lie. I've, I've had fighters ask me, should I go for this fight? I don't think, it's not that, I don't think you can beat this guy, but you beating this guy isn't going to be dynamic. It's not going to be fascinating. It's probably going to cost you a ranking. Even though you'll get an important win, it's going to set you back because it's going to be so terribly ugly. And if you lose, it's going to be an ugly loss, not exciting, not, not developing fan interest. So I understand why they don't take the fight from a management perspective. So I, I get that, but I wouldn't want to fight him either. The way his last couple of fights have gone, are you, are you kidding me?
0: No. Let me ask you this. Is Usman the new John Fitch?
1: Uh, John Fitch had a half an ounce of athleticism? Yeah. Yeah, would He's, I mean, he hasn't been as consistent. John Fitch is like, run through it. John Fitch was so unassuming. He w- he got the big names and he ran through everybody. Usman just seemed so athletic that people were trying to dance around him. Nobody avoided John Fitch. John Fitch just wasn't good enough to get to the top. And he and he just had to work his way back until, until he started losing. Nobody wants to even risk it with Usman. People were willing to take a chance against Fitch because he was unathletic and he wasn't a finisher. So even if he would grind on you, you had all three rounds to finish him at any given moment. Usman... With his athleticism, it's just hard to find any spot where you can catch him and explode on it. So it's just a, it's a risky fight, and it's a fight that even if you win, like I said, it'll be boring and ugly. And if you lose, it'll be boring and ugly. It's not going to get you any fans. It won't get you a bonus, and it'll probably cost you a ranking. So I understand why people are ducking at. How come Neil, Neil Magnum didn't jump up to fight him? I don't know. So let, me,
0: let me ask you this. Let's, so let, let's play a, play a little game right now. We have Darren Till and Tyron Willie about the fight for the um, – Welterweight title. Out of Kobe Covington, Rafael Dosanio, Stephen Thompson, Robbie Lawler, Kamaru Usman, and that's it. Who gets the next title shot? Is it automatically Kobe?
1: Uh, probably Covington. I-, I would think Covington's probably, if, if, if Woodley wants to make money, Covington's the biggest angle. He came off a huge win. He's got some wins over top guys, Maya, and he got a win over RDA. He was, um, I
0: would say, break it up a little bit breaking up just a tad bit
1: oh i'm sorry uzman hasn't been able to do anything he's been basically been sitting on the sideline
0: okay okay so let's let's move on because you know we had a lot to talk about today let's talk about another guy who has an interesting future in front of him michael chandler yesterday it was revealed that chandler has re-signed with bellator multi-fight deal um and he is no longer a free agent he's be a free he's been a free agent since April and uh, the promotion was actively pursuing him to keep him within their brand so now it looks like you know he's here to stay and that's what he's going to do and you know Chandler's always been an interesting person to me because he I don't want to say he fights up to his competition but there are times where he looks like a world beater and then there's times where he looks like someone who, you have to question. And then on top of that, he's probably Bellator's only homegrown talent right now. Not well, he's their first. I'm gonna call them I'm gonna call him their first because even Eddie Alvarez had Cachet outside of Bellator before he became
1: brothers be their first Well
0: well who, who got the titles first? Was it Patricio or Chandler? I don't know. I, what I think Michael him? got his belt first. Okay. But even still, I mean, I feel like people. W- has Patricio ever been in, in, in any commercials? I have. I haven't seen him any. I remember yeah. Michael. I, Chandler. I, I, mean, I I know his. I
1: know his. I know his team. Like his whole team, coaches, management. Bellator hasn't really done him any favors as far as moving him forward. Chandler, as you like to talk about, has gotten that preferential treatment in quotations yeah. than some of the other fighters. So because the Pitbull brothers have been on highlights, ESPN, Fox Sports from their knockout, They were back in the tournament days, but they never really got pushed like superstars. I'm not saying I'm not saying part of it isn't their fault. That's why they talk so much now. I know for a fact. That's why they talk so much now to force people to pay attention to them. But when they weren't talking a lot, they did to do them no favors. They were pushing Chandler from the minute he, beat, he came in against Alvarez. They were pushing him hard. They wanted him to be somebody.
0: Yeah, and, and they've never gotten that same type of rub. So this is why I struggle with the idea that they are their um, first homegrown kind of like talent. Um, but I mean, it, it's it's a close race because both of them, especially Patricio, has done they they've done the damn work and they've been out there doing the, uh, doing the thing for the longest amount of time.
1: Yeah, yeah, they have been. Trust, trust me, like I'm not I'm not telling you what I think. I actually know people in their camp, but I'm telling you the conversation. I'm giving you a general gist of this. They got overlooked by Bellator, so they started getting to the point where they have to start answering every call-out and being very active in social media to get that. And if you notice, they didn't do a lot of interviews before. Now they always do interviews. They're trying to get in that cycle. They're trying to force Bellator to have to make them a priority, to force them to pay them what they're worth. Chandler never had to do that. They they brought, they broke backed up the brink shut for Chandler from day one.
0: What's funny is, I'm speaking of, you know we're talking about Chandler here, and I don't know if you saw... Patricio's uh response saying that chandler opted to come back to bellator to avoid usada did you see that
1: yes i yes i did i did see it was pretty funny and uh even though i don't know if it's necessarily true I, I like to think chandler's a clean dude you know you gotta take the shots you can to create that to create that heat to create that momentum so that you're always on everybody's name everybody you're on everybody's lip even if you lo- he loses the title or loses the fight he still got beef with everybody, so that's still a fight you can make, even if he loses the title. So they're playing the game. They're playing it very well.
0: What do they have to do to get these two guys in a cage to fight?
1: You know, I really don't know why it hasn't already happened. I'm not quite sure. It's probably one of the biggest grudge matches they have. Candler is one of their biggest stars. Uh, even though they haven't pushed the Pitbull brothers, they're synonymous with Bellator. So I don't know what they're trying to save it for. I don't know if they want to see if. Chandler will get the title belt back from Primus. I- I'm not quite sure why that hasn't happened. I'm assuming they're trying to build it into something bigger. But Bellator doesn't have a lot of legitimate, big, quality fight. So I don't know why they would put this off and risk it being lost by one of those guys getting knocked off.
0: Like, I don't, personally, I don't think that the promotion is leaning towards pay-per-view so much anymore. This is a fight on a, this, this fight right here if it was booked on a Friday or something like that, I would make plans to sit at home and watch these two guys go at each other.
1: The only thing I can think of is they might be waiting to see if they can get Alvarez because the third matchup between Alvarez and Chandler would be big numbers. Big numbers. That would be still a high quality fight that people would, would tune in to see. The first two were, were all fight of the year type fight. I think they won big fight of the year. year. The third one most likely would be the same. But even though Eddie's coming off a loss, it was an exciting loss. And just before that, he uh, wiped out Gechi, so it, it would still have a lot of legs. I think they might be trying to see if they can get that, in, that into work. Like I said, I like, I like Chandler. He's a good fighter. Um, I will say this. When you said he fights down to his opposition, I think what happened is after those two Alvarez fights, he hasn't been the same fighter. I don't think he's as durable. I don't think he recovers as fast, and I don't think he's athletic. I think he lost some of his athleticism. He got some of that beating, him out, beating out of him in those two wars with um, Alvarez. So he's not quite the same fighter. He's still a better-than-average athlete. He's still probably top 10, but he used to be top three. Now he's, like, around top 10, and his chin is not there. When he's gotten clipped a couple times, he's stumbled a little bit. Uh, Will Brooks looked great against him, and Will Brooks hasn't looked great against anybody in a long, long, long
0: time. Yeah, that knockout, the knockout that he suffered from Will Brooks where he looked like he was just completely punch drunk, Um Yeah.
1: And if you watch that fight he had with the caveman, he had two fights with him. If you watch the fight, he blows him out of there. But there's a couple times when the caveman catches him, and you see him stumble a little bit. And you're like, before three fights before, that guy wouldn't have done, he would have hit you all right through it, or he would have never touch touched you. Now you're getting touched by a guy who's like a third tier lightweight. Hmm, interesting. You know, I, he's still he's still a very good guy, but. I don't, I don't know that his durability is a anymore, and if you go to the UFC, they're not doing you any favors. What did they do with Eddie Alvarez? They in with Donald Cerrone, first fight in. They're not doing you any favors in the UFC, and I think he decided this is going to be my last contract or one of my last big contracts. I'm going to get the most money I can, and I'm going to stay as the flagship base of this organization that's basically done nothing but protect me, give me opportunities, and give me chances, and give me money, and I'm going to stick it out with them rather than go over to the UFC and jeopardize potential earnings and jeopardize my health because you know the usc when they're great when they're high on you they're great to you the minute they lose any faith in you it gets ugly and it gets ugly quick ask chris cyborg ask anybody except for ronda rousey donald Cerrone, and chuck liddell and the us you get them the UFC's bad side it's it's a wrap it's done for you.
0: yeah definitely i can definitely agree with you on that um I actually kind of I wrote about this uh, this week I think that Chandler is in a very good position as as you mentioned. The Alvarez fight is interesting to me. Josh Thompson is there, Patricio is there. He could even bump up and fight at Walterweight if he decided to. I know he's talked about doing that. So um, he has some he has some pretty intriguing opportunities ahead of him and I think that this is the right move for his career.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, what do, what do we always say? Stop doing millionaires and billionaires' favors and give the money for yourself and your family. So somebody listen. Thank you. You're welcome, Michael Chandler. That's what we do it for. We say it for guys like you who are about to lose their minds and sign for those three letters. Only letters you're signing for are the S's, followed by the zeros. That's what you sign for. Nothing else.
0: Or, or like like, like uh, Gary Tunin says, or Tonin says, cash, chicks, and championships. That's all you, all you really got to sign for, man.
1: Yeah, you know what? I, there's a lot of champions who are broke and don't have nothing right now. I'll just take those checks because your your family can't eat off your family can't eat off your experiences and that knockout. They can eat off the, what they pay you. So they tell me you can go championship and get over here, or you can get paid over here. I got four kids. I'm gonna uh, get paid um, over here. You can keep your championship.
0: It still cracks me up that that you have four uh four girls too, man. I, I always gotta shake my head whenever you say that.
1: I have three <laughs> high level athletes. Oh, side note. I have three high-level athletes. My daughter, who moved in from Houston, she actually qualified for nationals for shot foot.
0: Good stuff. Congratulations yeah. to her and and, yeah, and yours. She, so, li- she
1: literally rolled off the couch, hadn't been training, went in two weeks, went district, regional, and qualified for national.
0: Good stuff, man. Congratulations for that.
1: Thank you, sir. I tell you, I'm champions over here. Not only do I help the fighters, I help the other athletes. I I, cu- I got it all covered. I don't know why people aren't calling me. You
0: got it all covered, my man. Let's talk about um, two other women, actually, because you already mentioned one in Chris Cyborg. She is fighting against Amanda Nunez at UFC 232. I think that's in December, later on this year, Um, and it is a super fight, um, and I had to kind of hesitate using that word because I know that Dana White doesn't like using it anymore, and everybody's kind of um, tired of that terminology. But they are fighting for the 145 pound belt that cyborg carries nunez is moving up um and the bantamweight title will be in limbo for now but what are your thoughts about this fight here because i am just from a preliminary standpoint i'm gonna i'm leaning cyborg just from a uh her her ability especially with her cardio abilities we've seen nunez struggle with that and, and cyborg has a has the tendency to push the pace Right from the start, she knows how to kind of play that push the pace or slow it down game. Um, what are your thoughts about this fight here, and, and, and what do you think we're going to see at UFC 232?
1: Well, first thing, I, I really would rather them strip Nunez of the bantamweight title. To be honest, I'm getting tired of titles being held up and interim titles. Like, just dump the title and go up, dude. Like, I don't, I just don't like it. I mean, I I, I know why they're doing it. I just don't like it. it she hasn't been dominating enough for me to think that she should hold it while she goes up. I understood why McGregor did it, I understood why DC did it, I don't understand why Nunez is getting to do this. That's just me though. Um, I would probably go with Cyborg. The thing with Nunez, it's not so much that she doesn't have skills, it's not even so much her cardio. Nunez, all her offense and all her defense, her footwork, her counters, her spacing, it's all based on her being a superior athlete, not fearing somebody else's power and people fearing her power. That's the initial for everything. Everybody, when they chew for takedowns. They get a little jittery because they don't want to catch that counter because they know she can lay girls out. Misha Misha Tate was a little jumpy. Raquel Pennington, as soon as she tasted that power, it was a different fight. People get wary of the power, and they give her more respect, which lets her look defensively slicker than she is and makes her look offensively better than she is. She's not that great a boxer. In my opinion, she's a good striker. She's not a great one. If she was a lesser athlete, she wouldn't be as good a striker as she is. Against Chris Cyborg, she's facing someone who she knows can hurt her with any and every shot. So for the first time in her career, essentially, except when she Ghana, she's busting on him, she's maybe someone who would he her. It hurt her and put her away. The few
0: times, You're breaking up a little bit.
1: Excuse me. The, the few times she's been hurt, her whole, ch- her whole style has changed. Often when she gasses is when she can't put somebody away quick and when somebody can pressure her, when somebody starts landing clean on her. That's when she starts gassing. That's when she starts panicking. Cyborg can do all those things. In Cyborg, the new style she has now, a deliberate but aggressive counterpuncher, I expect Cyborg to walk her down and Cyborg to put her away. Nunes is still dangerous, but Nunes is a weight she's never been at, and she's facing somebody who can hurt her back, and she hasn't faced that really many times in her career, and when she has, she's lost. So I don't have a lot of faith that Nunes is going to be able to create the fight and the pace that she wants to beat Cyborg. I don't even know that Nunes beats Holly Holm, to be quite honest. So it's, it's a dangerous fight. But I'm going with Cyborg, and that's just off my initial analysis of it.
0: Yeah, I can agree with you there. Um, I think it is a it is a dangerous um, fight for Nunez for a as I mentioned from a cardio standpoint. You know, she actually did fight at um, 145. The first seven, the first seven professional fights were at that weight class. Um, the last of which was against uh, Julia Budd. Back in 2011, she made her bantamweight debut against Alexis Davis um, in Strike Strikeforce. But, Did she lose 45? Uh, her very first fight. Her very, very, very first fight. She was submitted by armbar in 35 seconds.
1: Because hmm. I know she lost, a lot. she lost a couple of bantamweight to Alexis Davis, I think.
0: Yeah, she lost to Alexis, uh, Sarah Diallo in Invicta, and Kat Singano was her last loss back in 2014.
1: Oh yeah, I forgot the bums that Ronda Rousey was beating—the ones that are pushovers and soccer moms that Ronda Rousey was beating up on. They all beat Amanda Nunes decisively.
0: But what did? But but Amanda Nunez pretty much retired Ronda Rousey though.
1: No, no, I'm I'm not saying she didn't, but she said Ronda was a made-up figure beating up on soccer moms—the same soccer moms who stomped you out.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, like Alexa Davis and. Um... Zingano stopped her via uh, TKO, so I mean I'm not going mean, to disagree
1: she was, there. She was an, she was unconscious in this fight. She quit. She was getting beat up. She couldn't take it. She she quit.
0: She was beating Zingano too. I I remember that. She was beating Zingano and then she gassed.
1: Yeah, she got tired because Zingano didn't quit and could take some punishment. And then Z- Zingano came back, which is part of the reason I don't think she can do good against Cyborg because once again, the minute somebody's been able to hurt her or go through her her pressure or her explosion. She hasn't been great. I mean, let's talk, let's be honest. A flyweight in their first fight had her on her hands and knees, were beating her within an inch of her life. A flyweight who's not a big puncher had her begging for life, hanging on for a decision. That doesn't build a lot of confidence in me. And she she can control the pace against the Tate and the Valentinas because they're afraid of the power. They don't have the athleticism to match her. She's standing across somebody who's got the athleticism to match her. And to put it work put it simply, the three last people that Cyborg beat. I don't know that Nunez beats them. The three people that Nunez beat on her way up recently, I know that Cyborg kills every single one of them. Valentina, Rhonda, Nisha Tate, Cyborg might kill them. I don't know that Nunez gets past Tanya Evinger. I don't know that she gets past Holly Holm. I don't know that she gets past Anna Kuniskaya. I don't know that. Most likely she does. I can't guarantee it, but I can guarantee you in reverse, Cyborg stomps all those girls out.
0: So tell me this. Where do you see this fight occurring, mostly on the feet or on the floor? How, like, how do you see it going down?
1: If I'm Cyborg, I actually might try and take it to the floor. Nobody's going to expect that from Cyborg. They're going to expect it on the feet. Cyborg is going to probably try to pressure her. She might let her come through a little bit and look to counter, which is going to be weird because Nunes likes to counter too. So we might get a really slow-paced fight. I might expect Cyborg to kind of break it out and uh, take her down. Uh, Nunes has been taken down by lesser athletes. She's never really had a big, strong girl get her hands on her. And um, I, I would fully expect Cyborg to kind of mix it up a little bit to throw Nunes off because Cyborg, from what I know of her camp and the people who train and seen her train, she really does train everything, and she trains at a very high level in the grappling, the wrestling, and everything. She just doesn't have to break it out. I would expect her to break it out for Nunes because if you make Nunes get into those grappling exchanges, like those same clinches that, that Holly Holm had Cyborg in, those would have gas Nunes. Nunes wouldn't have had anything left after those. Nunes would have got walked down. I can guarantee you that. Cyborg's are prepared to go in, in grappling exchanges, on the feet and on the ground. If I'm Cyborg, I actually exchange with her a little bit, get her to commit on a counter, put her on her back, start laying the lumber, and watch her fold up. Fold her up like a chair.
0: Yeah, I, I, so let me so, so let me ask you this. Do you, if you remember a lot of the shots that um, Cyborg was taken from Holly Holm, do you think that she can take those same type of shots from Amanda uh, Nunez?
1: I think she can take them, but the thing about it is, I don't think Nunez is going to be brave enough to fire them off. Nunez, I don't know that Nunez is cardio so bad, but she's, she's, she's basically fighting like Tyron Woodley now, because she works with Dean Thomas. Dean Thomas has got her to the point where she's neutralizing what you do and exploding in these spots with counters to put you away. I don't know that she can back Cyborg off, and even if she can with Cyborg, Cyborg's going to hit her just as hard as she hit Cyborg. I think Cyborg's more prepared for it. I don't think that she's like Home. Home, you have to choke out. Home, you have to knock out. Home, you have to beat the fuck up. Nunez isn't that girl. You don't, you don't have to beat Nunez the fuck up. I don't, I don't believe that. I believe if you put a little bit of pressure and put her in the right spot, Nunez might fold up on you. Home, home wouldn't. Home was in a chokehold. She went out. Home's getting beaten on the ground. She's going to fight until she can get out or she's just going to get beat half to death. That's just how she is. At no point in the Cyborg fight, even when Holm was eating six-punch combinations, did Holm look like she was checking out? She walked right back in there ready to exchange. I don't believe Nunes is that kind of fighter. And I've seen Cyborg against better strikers. I've seen Cyborg when she's outclassed on the feet. She didn't look for ways out either. So I believe if you can extend Nunes, you put her her in the pressure and force her to take those shots, I don't think she's going to be as quick to engage. That's just my opinion of it, though.
0: Interesting analysis there man. So at the end of the day, well, you know, she won't be a two-division champion, but we'll be um, we'll see her with another another big name on her belt.
1: And one, one more thing. I, I, we had a, I think we had Jason Adams on this and we talked about this, how Nunes always says they keep overlooking. And remember, they overlook me, they yeah. don't push me. They overlook me, they don't push me. Yeah, we talked about this. Be, yeah, she's had two fights. This would be the third fight with one of the three biggest names in women's mixed martial arts history. What is she complaining about? She got Misha Tate, one of the biggest names. Ronda Rousey, one of the biggest names. Now she's getting cyborg. Yes, yeah, she's not she's not the A-side, but she's getting paid better than 90% of the a sides in the UFC. What is she crying about?
0: Well, this is where I want to challenge you on that because I don't think it's the fact – I don't think it's just about the pay. I think it's the fact that she's – in each one of those examples, she's been totally ignored. Like they could have just taken her off of the fight poster to begin with. I'll, I'll give you – Another example, UFC was one. Of, was the only major sports promotion that did not participate in the LBG, LBGTQ um, parade that occurred in, I think it was New York. They mm-hmm. were the only major sports promotion that did not do so. That could did, have been a prime opportunity for them to put Nunez, Tisha Torres, all of them front keep, and center.
1: Did they keep their fighters from doing it, though? Did they say, you can't go?
0: I don't know. I don't know what they said about that. But the fact of the well, matter
1: I, I, is they the would. I have, they have to know this because if you, to, if you talk to Ronda Rousey and you talk to Misha Tate, even though Misha is one of the biggest names, the UFC actually That's undercut and slandered Misha Tate. They used to dig her grave and bury her in it when it was when Ronda was on top. They did the same thing with Cyborg. Cyborg kept her name out there and kept doing things that would draw attention. Misha Tate kept her name out there and kept drawing attention. So, and even Ronda Rousey says, everybody wants to be the champion. Nobody wants to do the work necessary to be the biggest star. Conor McGregor knows the price you have to pay. I know the price you have to pay. You're right. Favre knows the price you have to pay. The rest of these people just want to fight and be made into stars. It's never been how it works. I have to see proof that Amanda Nunes, in between these fights, is doing something to push her own brand. What is she doing? She has a management team. What is she paying them for? I, I, I
0: won't disagree with you on that. And it's funny because... um T.J. Dillashaw, he was talking today, I don't know, I just saw the headline before we started it today. I'm going to go back and read it. Um, he was talking about how it's important for fighters to not wait on the promotions, but to align themselves with brands outside of the competition. I'm sure you saw his ad with Stephen Thompson for um, Van Heusen, the clothing line, and I thought it was a very well done ad. It's looked, it's, I haven't seen it since... Um, Whatever event that was, but it was a very well done ad him and Stephen Thompson looked very good in the clothing Looked very good in the action that that they put forth So I do uh, believe that that he's he's doing the right thing when it comes to building his own brand
1: Yeah, but see, and and that's why I I understand every time you would call me out on certain people not being pushed I get it in a fair world They should be pushed in a fair world Everybody should get their chance and get a hundred percent faith to do what they want to do But we all know we don't live in that world I'm telling people, I told fighters this to their face. I told their management to this to their face. I, I, I told a lot of people. We've had issues screaming matches. I tell my kids this. I tell everybody. Bad opportunity or good opportunity, it is still an opportunity. You are the UFC champion. Why are you waiting for the UFC to do the work for you? you? Get off your butt and do it yourself. If you see they're not pushing you, why aren't you doing something? What are you paying your management team for? Give me the money. I'll get you on something. I guarantee you I can do better. Give, give me the money. Pay me that 10%, whatever you pay them, I will get better results. If I can't get better results in six months, then just fire me. Because you've had them for five years and they ain't done nothing. So just give me six months and see what I can
0: do. Hi. All right. Somebody may have to take you up on that challenge, man. So let's talk about one other news story before we go into previewing UFC Lincoln. Um, my boy, uh, Paulo Costa. Well, he's not my boy, but this guy, he's, doing, he's, he's smart. He's smart. So he was originally supposed to fight Yoel Romero at UFC 230, and Romero saying that he needs more time uh, because of an eye injury that he suffered while fighting Robert Whitaker a couple of months ago. Costa is like, forget fighting a replacement fighter. He wants to wait for Romero. And if you didn't read, our, um. I wrote about this for MMA ratings.net this week as well. I think it will be up later on this week. But he was very specific as to why he's waiting for Romero. He doesn't want to fight anyone else. To me, this is the exact thing that more fighters need to be doing, especially him being 27, being one of the only male Brazilian fighters that's really like on the rise right now. This guy can make a run. And if he catches Romero at the right time, I think he can win this fight. Okay. And that would put him in a in a prime position that at middleweight that is really devoid of new contenders.
1: Yeah, like I, I know his people too. So I, I don't I didn't know that he said this. I just know his people, so I kind of have an idea of how this approach works. He's not an idiot. He's learned. He's kind I think he's with the Pitbull brothers. He's seen what his he's seen, he's seen with the elder people who've gone through this crap have done have gone through, seen him take short notice fights, do favors for the organization, and he's seen what has gotten them nothing big zero he's not doing that he's actually listening to the people above him and following their lead and learning from it instead of being like everybody else well i'm just gonna be a company man and then get knocked out and like well i did a favor for the USD, you didn't do a favor according to dana white you did your job shut up and get to the back of the line remember that number two ranking you had you're gonna get number 11 and you're gonna be happy with it shut the hell up he's just paying attention Romero is a good fighter, but the fact of the matter is Romero has been in really, actually all his fights have been back and forth in somewhat tough and exhausting fights. And his two fights with have been wars. Romero's an older guy. He still looked great, but he's been in two wars. Two wars that have took, in my opinion, have taken something out of him. The biggest advantage Costa has is that he's still so physically durable. Did you see that fight with Uriah Hall? Uriah Hall did a jumping spin kick, the same kick that knocked out Great Ghegar G- Mousasi, and he didn't move that guy in an inch. That guy wiped his chest off and then beat the hell out of him. His durability and his, his explosiveness makes him a danger to anybody, and a lot of what Romero does is him kind of tricking you, getting out work for the majority of the fight, and then hitting you with something explosive to turn the fight around. If Costa is as durable as he seems, and he's got the explosiveness the explos- explosiveness and the work rate he has, this is a perfect fight for him, because in between those spots when Romero explodes and tricks you, Costa is going to be wearing him out. And we don't know if romero's the same guy after that fight with whitaker we don't know that he's got the, the resilience the durability or the cardio he he fought tough in those fights you can't have wars like that and not have some kind of effect especially against a guy who's a killer puncher it's it's a very good matchup it's a very good matchup and the one advantage that romero usually has which is his durability his explosiveness his overall athleticism that advantage doesn't exist as much against costa, costa is probably comparably explosive comparably strong, comparably durable. So it's not gonna be a one-shot that knocks him out. You're not just gonna be able to sneak him in and explode on him and turn the fight around. You're going to have to fight. He's gonna make you fight all three rounds. And if you can't fight all three rounds, there is going to be a problem. This is a very good fight for him, and it's a fight that even if he loses, does not do anything to hurt his reputation. It makes him look like, it makes him, He's he's created an instance where you can't question his courage or his gut. Kind of like when McGregor said, I'm not gonna defend the 45 belt. I'm gonna challenge Rafael Desanya's so people were like, he's scared of Frankie Edgar. He's going up a weight class to fight the baddest man in lightweight. He's not scared of Frankie Edgar. You couldn't even say anything because you're like, This is what causes is why? You're you're breaking up a little bit. You're breaking no, up a little nobody, bit. Nobody below him can call him out because he's fighting essentially the number two guy in the division and he's waiting for him. So you can't say he's ducking me. He's not ducking you. He's waiting on the number two guy. He's not scared of anybody. It's perfect matchmaking. It's perfect mindset. He's he's wise beyond his years. He understands the game, which a lot of veterans still don't.
0: I mean, it's 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 it's, it's an amazing fight. I was excited when it was the first announced, and I'm willing to wait for it. If it means we gotta wait two more months, then let's wait two more months. Let's put it on that card. That that. New Year's card in January, and let's make it happen because that's something that is this is this is a right type of matchmaking that should be happening in the UFC. I'm a big fan of the younger fighters coming up and pushing the, the and I'm using air quotes, the older fighters out of the way to get their opportunities. I, I do not want to see younger fighters cannibalizing one another because we don't know what that could do to them over the long term of the career, at least not early. And there was rumors about uh, Costa and, and Israel Adesanya fighting. I didn't like that fight happening so soon. Um, this is the right path to me, and I, and I, I hope that he does wait, and this is, this is a fight that we see in the future.
1: Yeah, more, more guys need to. I don't know if they need to be better with their money or just smarter. More people need to be able to sit on the line, sit on the sidelines, and just wait. If nothing else, look at Tyron Woodley. He won a big fight, sat on his ass until a title fight was given to him. Too many guys are in too much of a rush to be on the UFC's good side. You're doing billionaires' favors, man. Stop doing it. Look out for yourself. Cause as soon as you lose or you're not popular anymore, they don't care about you. Stop trying to do billionaires' favors. It's dumb. I don't lend millionaires money. Hey, man, you got 50 cents? No. You're worth $10 million. I don't care if you don't have it now. Go get it somewhere else.
0: Funny. That's funny as hell. Um, So let's talk about this weekend. We have a card that isn't getting much pub. pub. It's coming off of a lull. And UFC events has been kind of quiet. Um, But UFC Lincoln is a pretty interesting Event Uh, we have Justin Gaethje and James Vick as as the uh, main event uh, number seven and number ten in the light heavyweight excuse me in the lightweight division we have um, Michael Johnson and Andre Feely which. Is a really intriguing fight when you look at what's available for Michael Johnson. Uh, Adam Martin wrote about this for the the site this week. I think it went up on Monday, so everyone should go check that out. Angela Hill versus um, Courtney Casey Sanchez. You have uh, what's his name? Figueroa. I don't I don't know I don't know how to pronounce his name correctly, but he's a pretty interesting prospect. I'm interested in seeing what Eric Anders does as well. And Mickey Gall. He's kind of hiding out there under the undercard. So let's start in the main event where we have um, Justin versus James. Schwan, break this fight down for me and tell me what you want to see.
1: Well, before I say that, part of the reason this card is not getting the attention it probably should, based on the quality at least of action, is because James Vick is on the main event. Nobody knows who this guy is, and even the people who do don't really care. And also, if they really did, because now MMA is under this microscope now, you know the guy in his corner has some issues in his past that could really look bad if this guy ends up challenging for a title. We all know this, right? We know about his issue with, I don't know, women and some of the problems he's had. Oh, James? Uh, the guy's in his corner. Uh, I forgot the uh, the guy. Oh, oh Lloyd Irvin. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to touch on
1: that. I'm just saying, now that, now that, you, now that everything MMA related, the UFC gets blown up on ESPN and other things, like that story with Angeli, all the stuff that comes out now, this could be problematic moving forward. Just something to look forward to. As far as the fight going, it's really going to come down to this. Vic is probably the better. He's shown the better all round mixed martial arts skills. He's longer. He's a better boxer. And the thing that's, that's killed Justin Gaethje in his last two fights, actually has killed him in his entire career, is a guy who knows how to cut angles, pivot, and use a balanced boxing attack, jabbing, body-head combination, countering to the body, stepping off, check-hooking, moving around the cage, walking him into shot. Vic is very capable of doing that. Vic has a limp, and he's got an all-around striking game where he could, he could kind of take advantage of some of the mistakes Gaethje makes because Gaethje, even though his defense isn't terrible, he puts so much pressure, he's going to get hit. It's like Max Holloway. You can't apply that much pressure and not get hit. So you've got to either be able to have durability, and even if you're super slick, you're going to get hit. I'm sorry. This is what's going to happen. The problem I have with Vic in this fight is Vic... Every time he's kind of stepped up, he's gotten crushed by the better guys. Benil Dariush isn't an elite guy. He crushed him. Michael Kaseya, not an elite guy. Crushed Vic. I know it was years ago, but if we're going to give you credit for all your wins years ago, I'm pulling out pulling your card on all your losses. And one thing that Vic has always been vulnerable to throughout the history of his career is big right hand. And he's always started slow. Watch his last couple fights. The guys, Joe Duffy was putting it on him early. Ronaldo was putting it on him early. A couple other guys were putting it on him early. I don't know that if he lets Justin Gaethje get started early, that Justin Gaethje won't finish him within a round or two. Because Justin Gaethje isn't like these other guys. Justin Gaethje won't get dissuaded when you land a good shot. Justin, Justin Gaethje isn't going to take a backward step. You have to push him back. He's not going to back off. You're not going to scare him off. You're not going to get him to get tired and stop throwing. He could be dead tired. He's still going to throw. He's the kind of guy you don't – he's not going to beat himself. He's happy. And I don't know that Michael – James Vick, not Michael Vick, has been in against the – guy – to force him into a brawl and not let him get out of it. That's the biggest question: Can James Vick maintain his poise, his durability, and still hold up
0: against a guy who's not going to let him out technique, out technique, his way? You're breaking up a little bit. You're breaking up something. You're breaking up.
1: Sorry. Will he be able to hold his poise and his technique against a guy who's going to force him to fight? Justin Gaethje has fought two of the better and more experienced guys in the lightweight division. Everybody he fights has to get into the kind of fight that he wants them to fight. They have to beat him at his fight. I don't know that James Vick can beat Justin Gaethje at his fight. And I know it's going to be Justin Gaethje's kind of fight. But Justin Gaethje won't give you any other choice but to fight the fight he wants.
0: So, this fight really interested me when it first broke, um, you know, because uh, – just who who was Justin originally supposed to fight? Al Iaquinta. Al Aquinta, correct. That's right. And I don't know if you saw his comments about why he's decided not to fight. They're absolutely hilarious. I mean, raging Al Iaquinta is becoming my favorite fighter, who doesn't have to fight. Just put a microphone or a camera in front of him all day, every day, and I would listen to that twenty four seven. But you know, why I
1: respect that dude because everybody else complains and they keep on fighting. He complained and he got another source of income. He said, Whatever. I'll do I'll fight when I want to. I can make money over here. Everybody else is like, Pay me more, pay me more. Should they pay him more? Yeah. If you don't like it, get yourself another source of income so you can tell them I'll fight when I feel like it. He's the only guy who backed it up. Him and Leslie Smith. Everybody else just talks really loud. So I respect him immensely for putting his foot down and backing up all that talk.
0: I mean he really did.
1: And he's got bars, dude. He should go and he should be a battle rapper. He's dropping bars in the UFC. Killing him.
0: So let's get back to this fight here, man. Um, how do you see it going down on Saturday?
1: Uh, I really see it one of two ways. Either is gonna come out fast and hard and Vic's gonna weather the storm and just basically pick him apart, either to a five round decision. I, I I don't know that Vic's gonna r- ramp it up enough to finish him or essentially is just gonna come and get him in a brawl, drag him through the mud and just beat him senseless. I really think number two is more likely. I haven't seen Vic dominate even against second and third tier guys he always gets in trouble in almost all of his fights in most of those fights he can bully guys and intimidate them i don't know that he can bully justin gaethje i know he's got those long legs and i know the gaethje loves those loves those leg kicks the question is: Is Gaethje going to add a little bit more finesse to his skill set? Because just throwing naked leg kicks, he's got to countered, he's got to finish. He's got to he's got to use a little bit more setups in what he's doing. He can he can fight the same. He just got to be a little bit more disciplined and a little bit more structured in what he's doing. But I really believe that Michael Vick cannot avoid the fight that Justin Gaethje is going to put him in. And if he gets into that kind of war, I don't think I don't think Vick can win it. I don't think Vick is physical enough. I don't think he's durable enough. I don't even think he's really a hard enough hitter. And as many people say that like Justin Gaethje's chin is gone, he didn't go out for one shot. he even been taking rounds and rounds of punishment before he went out. It's not like somebody just clipped him once and he fell down. That has never happened. So I don't know if Vic hits hard enough. I don't believe he hits hard enough. I don't believe he's durable. He's got all the skills to beat him. I don't know if he's got the mentality and the durability to beat him. Sometimes it really just comes down to will. And I, don't, I haven't seen anybody really out-will Justin Gaethje yet. Even the two guys who beat him weren't talking shit about him. They said he's the toughest fight they've been in. But James Vick is over here saying he's going to be easy work. Okay. I guess. I mean, Dustin Fourier said he wasn't easy work. Eddie Alvarez, one of the greatest lightweights of all time, said he wasn't easy work. But James Vick, who's never beaten a top 15 guy, is all of a sudden telling people who easy work is and who is it.
0: All right. Whatever. Yeah, this is a major moment for him. Um, If he can pull it off, if he pulls off the win, then if he pulls off a win, It'll be, it'll be a huge moment for him. Um, I would question it a little bit because there's going to be questions about whether or not Gacy is shop worn.
1: Exactly. If he gets this win, it'll be a big win for him. But people will be like, well, the two best, two, two, one, of, one of the best light, heavy, lightweights of all time figured him out. And then another guy who's been top five in two different weight classes figured him out. They did the, they did the hard work. You just came and did, you, you batted cleanup. You, you got garbage minutes. You got 20 points in garbage minutes. So he's not going to get the credit he thinks he's going to get for this fight. And if he loses, all those five, what, three, four years he's been complaining complaining that people have been ducking him, all that goes out the window, man. So he really needs to win this fight. He won't get the credit even if he wins it. But if he loses it, you know, we we don't have to hear from James Vick about how elite he is for a while.
0: Yeah, I think that's going to be an um, interesting part of the conversation there. Let's keep the talk going because we have Michael Johnson and Andre Feely in the co event. This is uh, Johnson's second fight at 145. He lost his debut. Andre Philly's riding a two-fight win streak here. Um, I'm really concerned about Johnson. I just looked at his record today, man. He's like 17 and 13. It's, it, and it's. I think he's on his way out. Um, he's taken a lot of damage over the years. This is a fight that I think is a is a showcase fight for Feely. What are your thoughts about this fight here and are we looking at what may be Johnson's last fight in the UFC?
1: Well before I get before I get into Johnson, I don't know if you saw in my article I wrote about uh, Team Alpha Male and the things they can do and can't do as a team. It was it it was it kinda highlights what I think of Feely. Feely is a guy who does great against people he can out athlete and he can out tough. Because Team Alpha Male usually dominates fights where they have the better athletes and maybe the grittier fights. When they come down to, come down to finite the, the finer points of the game, that's when they tend to slip up. So, Feely's facing a guy... He beat Artem Lobov, and I forgot who else he beat. But it wasn't a guy who was...
0: You're breaking up, man. You're breaking up.
1: That when Feelys faced better athletes, he hasn't won. He faced um, Yair Rodriguez. I think he got knocked out by him. And he faced somebody else who was elite, and he got beat by him, too. I agree with you. Michael Johnson probably is on his way out, but Michael Johnson is still the better athlete. As far as being an all round fighter, he's still better. He's done better against better competition. He's recently knocked out Dustin Poirier. He's the bigger hitter, he's faster, he's more explosive. And even though he hasn't gotten better as a fighter, he's still more seasoned, and he's a very tough out. I don't think that Feely can take his heat. I think he's going to catch Feely win a clear decision to put him away and
0: let
1: him It's going to require a defense counter that I have Not against elite opposition. And Michael Johnson is the closest thing to elite he faced in his career in the UFC.
0: Well, didn't he face um Almeida too? I guess Almeida is not elite at, at, anymore. What's happened to him? Thomas Almeida.
1: Uh, he, uh, he. I think he's was on two or three fight losing streak all knockouts. Ameida's biggest issue, he can't take a punch. When you clip him, he kind of goes out. Michael Johnson isn't the most durable fighter, but he's a guy you have to put away. I mean, even though he lost against Khabib, he, was, he took a savage beat, and he didn't tap out. He took a hell he of an down. asshole
0: Yeah, he did tap.
1: Oh, excuse me, when he got submitted, but he wasn't tapping out. He didn't just quit from strikes and cover up. He was fighting the whole way out. When he fought Gaethje, Gaethje put him away. He took a severe fight. You have to put Johnson away. And every fight Johnson's lost... In the first two rounds, he's done a lot of damage. So the question to me is, is Feely tough enough to take what Johnson has, and is he skilled enough to ride it out and put Johnson on his heels and take the momentum and take the fight over? I haven't seen Andre Feely do that. He didn't look great against Artem. I haven't really seen him look great against anybody. So the question is, in the first two rounds, can he totally wipe out Michael Johnson? I don't think he can. I think Michael Johnson should get the first round or two and be able to at least hang on to a decision. If Michael Johnson loses this fight, he needs to look into retiring. He should not be losing to guys like Mike to like Andre Feely. He's only lost to really the best guys, Gaethje. He is. Who else has he lost to? I guess Darius was at least a top fifteen guy. Losing to Andre Feely is, is pretty much the low point of his career, where he starts, he needs to either think about going to a smaller organization or retiring from mixed martial arts.
0: Yeah, man, that, like that, like that could be scary to see if, if he takes another bad loss here. What would a win for what would a win on Saturday do for Feely?
1: A win for Feely is probably his best legitimate win in his career, but just like James Vick, it won't give him as much credit because the book's already been written on Michael Johnson. He's not a really good grappler, especially not off his back. He's not really all that great of a striker. He's more of an attribute striker and he's the kind of guy who explodes but tends to gas if he can't put you away quick or he can't do enough damage to sit on a lead. So, the way to beat Michael Johnson is clearly written out for him. Other guys have done it. It's just a matter. Of can he execute? So even if he wins, he will not get the credit he deserves. And it really won't do a lot for him in the featherweight division. Cause Michael Johnson already lost his first fight in the featherweight division to another team alpha male guy, Darren Elkin. So it's not going to do a lot for him. And if Michael Johnson beats Andre Feely, it really doesn't do anything for him either. Cause Andre Feely isn't one of the better featherweights in the world in Bellator or UFC, in my opinion. So it's, it's, it's a fight with two guys who got some names and got some cachet from their camps, but neither guy is like a top guy right now. It's just an interesting fight, just like an interesting fight to watch, pretty much.
0: Good, good, good. Some good analysis there, man. I want to also talk about uh, Angela Hill and Courtney Casey Sanchez. You know I was going to talk about this fight um, because it's Angela Hill's career is very intriguing to me. Her position in the UFC is very interesting to me as well. Break down this fight here and talk, talk about what you see between these two straw weights.
1: Uh, Angela, you know the funny thing is, Angela Hill's got the same problem that, that James Vick has. She's had a couple shots at elite people. Actually, she's got a worse problem. She always says they keep not pushing her, not giving her opportunities. But as I stated a couple months ago, she's gotten chances to fight top girls. She just can't beat them. She lost the Rose. She lost the Andrade. She lost the Anterov. She's gotten chances to fight girls with names. She just can't ever beat him. So now she's getting another chance. She had a chance to fight Grosso, which was a fight that could really do some good for her because Grasso has a name. Grasso has some momentum, even coming off a loss. Now she's fighting Courtney Casey, who I don't think has ever put two fights together in the UFC, two wins together in an entire time of the UFC, and is known as having the worst fight IQ in women's mixed martial arts. The worst part is Casey is a big, strong, powerful athlete who's also a great grappler. She's not a great striker, but she hits hard. And she's a very good grappler she's essentially a bigger stronger more athletic version of ashley yoder and angela hill had a very competitive fight with with ashley yoder hill's the better striker she's probably a little bit quicker um i don't know that she's a better all-around fighter because i've never really seen angela show any high level or even decent wrestling i haven't really seen her show any decent grappling against anybody of note and in that instance casey can strike a little bit she's had success on the feet he's okay at the wrestling she's probably better than hill and i know she's a better grappler than hill I actually think this is a really risky fight for Hill because Hill, this fight, is now going to be really a second-tier draw. Uh, With Hill needs to win this fight because if she doesn't, now she's losing to the best. Breaking up, man. Sorry. Now she's not just losing to the best; she's losing to the second, third-tier Thai fighters, and that's going to hurt her cause of being a star. She's got a look, she's got charisma, but she can't get the win she needs, and she needs this win. I actually think uh, Courtney Casey is going to actually take this fight, to be honest. I, I think Hill should be fighting a weight class lower. If she did, I think her power and her strength would be more of a factor. But in all these fights against bigger, stronger girls, she kind of gets bullied. She kind of gets pushed back. She kind of gets out positioned and outworked. And I think Casey's completely capable of doing that. Only question is, is Casey going to fight like an intelligent fighter or she's going to fight kind of dumb like she usually does? It, that's the only question. If Casey lets her hands go and is aggressive, She's going to beat Hill and beat her convincingly. If she just stands there and follows and stays on her back, then it'll be a boring It'll be a boring win, but it'll be a win for Hill. But Hill needs an exciting, dominant win for this to do any good for her. If it's a boring win, it does no good for her. If, it, if it's a loss, it's terrible. It's tragic for her career. She needs a win. She can't afford to lose this fight. A loss here is a very bad loss for her career.
0: Yeah, I, I think if Hill loses, I think she's in danger of getting cut.
1: Yeah, I mean it'd be hard not to, how do you not cut her? She's come back and she's been in fights of the year, fights of the night, but she has not beaten. The only ring person she's beat is Marina Moroze. And I think Moroze was on a two fight losing streak when she beat her. So she, and that was one of the worst fights of the year. remember we were tweeting about that fight back and forth. Like, are they even gonna land any punches in this fight? So she hasn't had a lot of really good performances recently and she hasn't won when she has performed well. She needs to start putting wins together and she hasn't been able to do it. And if, like you said, if she, gets, if she loses, most likely she's on her way out. She'll probably she might get one more fight and then she'll be on her way out. But she's right on that edge and she she can't afford to lose this. Casey really can't afford to lose it either. But Hill's the one who has the star potential. And um, like I said, if she loses this, I fully expect her to be in her pink slip within the next six months.
0: Say that part say that last part again?
1: I said, if she loses, I fully expect her to get her, her pink slip in the next six months. I know the divisions are kind of thin. When you got a girl who can't be the best girls and is starting to lose to the second and third tier girls, what do you do with her? Dude, Especially a girl who...
0: Strawweight isn't thin, though. Strawweight is, is, in my opinion, I think Strawweight is one of the better divisions in, in the UFC.
1: Okay, well, if, if that's the case, and you know, I, I have to relook at it, but if you're, if you're right, then you don't need Hill because, if you notice, Hill talks a lot of shit about the company. They don't promote me. They promote these pretty girls. They never promote girls who can fight. But if you look at Hill's, Hill's record, she's not one of those girls who can fight because she keeps losing to them. All these girls who she talks about, they have wins against better opposition than she does. Well, they like to push Joanna because Joanna's beat better girls than you have. They like to push Rose because Rose has beat better girls than you have. They like to push Carolina. Carolina's beating better girls than you. Well, Jessica Andrade, Jessica Andrade beat you. Nina Ansaroff, she gets chances because she's dating the champ. Nina Ansaroff beats you. So, what are, you t- what are you talking about?
0: I mean, that's, that's uh, you know, you always come with the truth. Uh, I'm not making
1: it. All we got to do is look at the record. She can get angry at me. I'm a fan of Angel Hill. I give her props for all her skills. But let's just look at the record. You keep saying Pretty Girl's get Opportunities. When you got your opportunities, you fought Nama Eunice. What'd you do? Blue. You fought Andrade. What'd you do? Blue. You fought Ansaraf. What'd you do? Blue. Those are three big opportunities. You lost them all. So, it's not. Just, it's like Felice Herrick. Well, they didn't give me a chance. I gave Paige Van Zandt a push him. That's why. That's why she got the hook. You would have beat her. You would have been on the way up. But you didn't. That's why you got pushed in the back. Let's let's not talk about bias and unfair when you're losing fights. You have to win, Calvin. If you're not, i going. I don't want to hear it. Win a fight and then complain about the overlooking. Don't lose. Don't win one, lose one, and tell me you're You Bro, they know it. They know You're breaking up something, man. I said, win, win four in a row and I'll listen to you. Don't go two and two and then tell me, well, I'm being overlooked. You're two and two, dude. And you got finished in two fights. You're not being overlooked. Put some wins together.
0: So let's talk about the final three points I wanted to point out for UFC Lincoln. Um, let's talk with this. Talk about the, the prospect, Frigurito. I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right. He's undefeated, coming in to fight, I will tell you in a Two seconds. Who is coming in to fight? Uh, is it, it Moraga? I think so. Yes, John Moraga. Talk to me uh, about that fight, there, man. What do you see from this guy? He's twelve and zero, coming as coming in as against a former title challenger um, and a guy who has some pretty big wins. Uh, what do you think about this at one twenty five? And is he someone that we should watch as a prospect?
1: He is someone you should watch because he's young he hasn't been, he hasn't learned how to lose. He's got a good skill set. He's good athleticism. He seems to be durable, able to do some damage. The problem is he's getting put against a guy who has never been a top-end athlete, a guy who's gotten by on cardio and durability, but who hit a wall with that early on because he wasn't a good enough athlete and as a result had to restructure his game and is now one of the better technicians, better craftsmen in this division. I kind of think this is a fight is a showcase fight for Moraga, like a good enough guy that it makes sense for him to be fighting this guy. And on the, on, on the end of Moraga's opponent, you're putting him in with the guy who's not dynamic, who's not super explosive, a guy who can beat you but won't ruin you if, he, if you lose to him. So Moraga's a guy who can wear you out, out position you, kind of break you down a little bit, but he's not the kind of guy who, who will ruin your career if he knocks you out because he does so much damage or he embarrasses you. He's the kind of guy who will give you spots to look good in and then just slowly take things away. I fully expect them to be trying to rebuild Moraga, and they're just giving him a guy who's a good enough challenge and has a good enough record that it makes sense that they're fighting. Under any other circumstances, I would think Moraga should be facing a better caliber of opponent. This kind of guy really doesn't do a lot for him. Beating this guy won't do anything for him. Losing to this guy will do huge damage to his career, but I don't think the UFC is expecting him to lose. So it's really kind of a showcase fight for him. It's just a matter of did he take it seriously enough to execute. This is really his fight to win. I'm not saying the guy can't win, but Moraga is one of the most seasoned. He's gone so many rounds. He's, he's a veteran's veteran, and he's really learned the game in the past couple years. So for him to lose this means a huge gap on his end, and he's with a very good camp. So this is, in my opinion, this is a showcase fight, and they're using this to test their prospect and putting him in with a guy who can outclass him but won't necessarily ruin him if he beats him. Like you fight a John Lineker early on, he could ruin you uh moraga will just outclass you and beat you up and send you back to the drawing board moraga might send you out of the organization because he's damaged your psyche and your body so much if you understand what i'm saying
0: i understand what you're saying
1: but yeah i will go moraga i think moraga is just gonna kind of see what he has feel him out slowly take control of it and then chip him up probably just win a one a lopsided decision that's that's what i fully expect to happen I'm not saying he couldn't get caught, but Maragaza, like I said, he's a veteran's veteran. There, there shouldn't be anything he's not ready for. And given his age and the, and the weight class he fights in, he can't afford any missteps. It's a real tight race up there, so I don't expect him to come lazy or slacky or sloppy. He's coming to take yet another step forward to possibly getting a title fight. And he should be in fair enough position to get one.
0: True, true. Let's talk about Eric Anders coming off of that fight against Leoto Machida where a lot of people thought he won. It was his first professional loss. He's coming back to the cage, and he's facing off against uh, Tim Williams, also on the undercard. What are your thoughts about this? I think it's proper booking for him as well, too, to kind of push him back down to give him an opportunity to put himself back up.
1: Yeah, the biggest problem he had against Machida was he had too much respect for him, and Machida used that respect to score the – Instead, Anders likes to be aggressive and kind of impose his will, but he had so much respect for who Machita used to be, he, can't, he gave Machita just n- enough respect where Machita could escape out of the angles, get away from him, c- control the pace a little bit. Now they're moving him back down, and they want to see if the experience with Machita has made him go back to the drawing board, get a better sense of the ebb and flow of a fight, and how to assert himself without overextending, and to be deliberate without being too cautious. He didn't know that balance before. Against Machida, he was way too cautious. In earlier fights, he was way too reliant on his athleticism. I think against Williams, they want to see if he's if he struck that balance where he can be aggressive but under this a disciplined aggression, a controlled aggression, and break a guy down and find the spot you need to put him away instead of just trying to bowl him over. Because Anders is one of the better athletes in the weight class, and he's been getting by on the athleticism. What we need to see now is does he, have, does he have some poise? Does he have some discipline? Does he have some in his fight skill Williams is tough enough and balanced enough that if Anders just comes all crazy Anders should still be able to get him but he could expose Anders a little bit so he's going to have to be on his P's and Q's I'm expecting to see a more disciplined and more controlled Anders I'm expecting him to kind of pressure him work the body make some head and body shots transition from the striking to the takedown and try to pound him out I I, would expect him to win decision at worst probably maybe take him out within the first two rounds if possible in, in the best case scenario
0: man. That's some great analysis there as well, too. Um, what do you What do you think the ceiling is for Eric Anders?
1: The question. The, the, this is the question I have for him. That I have for everybody who's an exceptional athlete. You, you're a You're a Panthers fan, right? You cover the Panthers a little bit. Correct. It's the same issue with Cam Newton had, where people would used to draft him because he has that athleticism. Instead of going through the reads all the time or being precise on his throws or his footwork, he knows he can out athlete his way through things. Anders was a high-level college athlete. He's a better athlete than 95% of the people in the UFC, in mixed martial arts. But the question is, is he going to depend on his athleticism long enough to take him as far as it can go before he gets knocked back down? Or as he's on his way up, is he going to slowly improve and work on skills so where his athleticism isn't a crutch, it's an enhancer of his skill. Most guys, they use their athleticism until it disappears, and then they work on their skills. But by then, it's too late because they... They have too many bad habits. They don't have the durability anymore. I'm talking to Gray Maynard. Anders, if he's smart, is working on his skills and working, developing those skills and that patience and that feel and that discipline so that he can pick his spots when he's going to use his athleticism and lean on his skills and his poise and his savvy. If he's developing the skills correctly, he could be, the, he could be a champion as the light heavyweight division for a long time because he far outclasses anybody as far as youth and athletic ability. But the question is, is he developing the skills? Is he with the camp that's forcing him to develop himself? Francis Nganu had great athleticism. His camp didn't develop the all round skills. So when he couldn't dominate physically, he fell apart. OSP, great athlete. He was with a camp that didn't have the skills or the sparring to force him to develop his awareness on the ground, develop his skill set, develop his defense, develop his counters. If Anders is doing that work, I fully expect him to be challenging for a title within the next year and a half, maybe two years. If he's not, he's going to get knocked off again. He's going to get knocked off real soon.
0: Always, always, always fantastic, man. I love talking to you about some of these prospects coming up. The third one, man, let's talk about Mickey Gall. Um, Mickey Gall is hiding away. Currently, he is the fourth fight on the card, fighting George Sullivan. Mickey Gall, 4 and 1. Um, you know, he's defeated Sage Northcutt, defeated uh, Mike Johnson, defeated CM Punk. Is he being groomed in the right way because his opponent is 17-4, coming in with a lot of experience. What do you think about this fight for Mickey Gall?
1: In my opinion, they're both the same fighter. They're just a difference in the spectrums. Mickey Gall is a guy who's young, who's coming up and developing his skill set and expanding his skill set. Sullivan's a guy who's already kind of got an established skill set and now he's getting by with durability and veteran savvy. That's not being technically sharp. That's just knowing all the little tricks and the little ways to you know, some guy starts landing on your ground, you how to tie him up a little bit, how to create a little bit of space, how to bait him into a trap so that you can get the takedown. Just little things that veterans know. Um, I think Sullivan's on his way out. I think he's hit his ceiling athletically. I think he's hit his ceiling as far as his durability. It's now starting to recede. He's not as durable as he used to be. So essentially he's a he's a fairly one-dimensional fighter with some acceptable striking, with really bad defense, some decent wrestling, but his wrestling is not as good as he used to be because he's not as athletic as he used to be either though so he doesn't make the same commitment to his wrestling. He's a good enough grappler to test Gall, but I think Gall can extend him, and I think Gall's a good enough athlete that he should be able to get to him on the feet. I don't know if Gall's defense is right there, but Sullivan is, is probably at this stage easier to hit than Gall is. He's not as young, he's not as energetic, he's on a losing streak. So I really think Gall, Sullivan's on his way out and they're using this as an opportunity to get Gaul some experience against a guy who's legitimate who can test him, who can, see if he's, who can test the improvement that Gall needs to make. Because Gall's been exposed a little bit as far as his striking, his defense, and his transition in the wrestling and grappling. This is the kind of guy that if he hasn't filled those holes, he will get exposed by. So we've already seen where the holes are in Gall. Now we've got to see if he's addressed them. I think he has, and he should be able to get Sullivan out of there. Sullivan's on the tail end of his career. Sullivan was on the top in the regional area when Gall was coming up. So now they're kind of, Sullivan's on his way out. Dahl's still in kind of holding position, and it's a crossroads fight. If Dahl loses this fight, it's not over for him, but it says that he really has a lot more work to do than we thought he had to. Yeah,
0: and I think uh, it, uh, I like how USC is taking a slow pace with him. Um, I think they're going to continue doing so. Uh, and I'm hoping that he continues to grow in the sport, kind of the way Roy McDonald grew. You know, Roy was kind of – he wasn't thrown in there the same way that Mickey Gall was, but he had the opportunity to really grow into something that we see today. Um, so we'll see what happens with him uh, in the future. According, what do you find of the of the of UC, Gall, he,
1: he moved out. Of, he He switched camps. He's expanded his camp a little bit. So that's a good sign. Um, at a certain point, when you are at a smaller camp, you can't be with guys who can't force, like we said, I told you about Nganu, you have to be with guys who can force you into certain positions, who, who can submit you if they need you, who can outstrike you if they need to. You can't always be in a situation where you're, well, oh, I'm letting him put me in the situation because in the back of your mind, you know you can get out. But so when somebody puts you in a situation that you can't get out of, you don't know how to act because you've never been, able, you've never been in that position. He was at a smaller camp. He was one of the better guys in there. He's expanded his training. He's gone elsewhere. So hopefully he's getting some different looks and he's expanding his skill set. That's what he needed to do. I don't think he was getting enough sparring to handle the level of athlete he was facing in the UFC.
0: I, I think that that is um, overall pretty good, pretty good to look at there. Um, as I asked, what are some of your final thoughts on UFC Lincoln?
1: Uh, I'm trying to see about Joanne Calderwood. She's making, I think she's making her official flyweight uh, debut. She's fighting Kalindra Faria. Um, I'm a big fan of Calderwood. She's one of the more recognizable fighters, but the fact of the matter is, her career has been so up and down since she's been in the UFC. If she loses this fight, she's probably officially a journeywoman, a well-recognized journeywoman, but a journeywoman nonetheless. I did an article talking about why she hasn't been able to make the leap to being an elite fighter, and this is pretty much her last chance. They're giving her a showcase fight against the kind of girl that she usually beats. They'll give her an exciting fight in hopes of jumpstarting her in the flyweight division. But if she can't make it in this division, she's shown she's not elite at strawweight, which essentially makes her uh, a stepping stone or a girl who uh, needs to be put in a, a smaller organization.
0: Good, good, good. Why don't you tell everybody what you're working on? Um,
1: I, as I said, I did a, uh, I did an article on JoJo, jo- jo- excuse me, I can't say her name, Joanne Calderwood on Combat Press, talking about the five reasons Joanne Calderwood isn't elite. Um, recent Next, I'm going to be doing an article on Nico Montaña and, and um, excuse me, Valentina Shevchenko, and I think it's just going to be basically, you know, like three reasons they win, three reason, reasons they lose, and I'm going to kind of break down, everybody's going to be very interested in the Nico part, because according to Twitter, there's no way that Nico can even compete with Valentina. I've constantly gone against that routinely, so I'm going to explain why I think Nico can beat her, like where she can beat her strategically, why I think she can beat her technically, why I think she poses problems for her athletically, and I'm going to do it for both fighters, and I'll be on MMA ratings uh, before the UFC event where she and her title.
0: Good, good. Um, as always, I'm covering the same stuff every day, Panthers, uh, MMA, uh, professional wrestling, as we do each and every week. Um, be sure to catch me here every Thursday, as I said on the start of the show you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at MMA Ratings Net. You can go to the site at MMA Ratings.net, rank the fights, let everybody know how anticipated you are um, for the fights, how excited you are, and how you thought what you thought of the fights as they end. Use the star system there to rank the fights. Schwan, let everybody know where they can find the podcast.
1: Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes. FM Player, SoundCloud and YouTube. And once again, thank you guys for supporting it. We've been having like a slow spike in the numbers. We've actually had people leaving comments or contacting me on Twitter. Uh, we got a couple of fans who really like what we're doing. They like how much we cover. They like the aggression and the honesty. Because, you know, a lot of people are kind of funded by bigger corporations. They have to watch what they say. We don't have that problem. We can say what we want. We're our own bosses. So... A lot of people like that. Uh, I've got a lot of compliments for you, Raphael. They said they like how you rein me in because I started going on these tirades. So people notice it. They appreciate it. And uh, we just thank you for listening, and we're going to have even better episodes, and we will be having some very good interviews for you all coming out very soon. Cool,
0: cool. So with that in mind, man, everybody catch us next week, and we'll be back to talk all the action.
1: All right, so you take it easy.
0: Have a good night, everyone.